Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Well, as, as our mother used to say, look what the cat dragged in. <laughs> <laughs> this is my brother, uh, Bill, Professor Miller, uh, yeah. teaches at the... University of Michigan Law School, a prolific author. Once prolific author. Well, yeah. I, you got a. How many books have you written? Eleven. Eleven books. Okay. Bill is not, even though he's he's known as a great lecturer and a you know goes all over the world lecturing. He's always extraordinarily uncomfortable when he's on my show. Well, I'm always very uncomfortable when a camera is pointed at me. Well, I, I believe like some primitives that it that soul capture or whatever, I, I, yeah. I start to get a twitch and a, a, a kind of a pull in the back of my neck when I see that thing. I do. I mean, that's the thing. It's, um, there is no doubt that having a camera pointed at you, whether you're conscious of it or not, I think, uh, influences your behavior because it's, um, well, you're being stared at. Well, I, I've been told, like, uh, that... I try and not uh, make faces or whatever, and when you become self-conscious about not making faces, you make more faces. And I once had a student say, when I saw myself on videotape once, I said, geez, I just didn't know I made so many faces or had that many ticks. And she says, you didn't know? <laughs> I think I, yeah, well, I think I, yeah, you do, but I do too, I think. I mean, I make a lot of faces, but I think I'm I think I'm aware of it. Anyway, uh, Bill Bill blew through on he's on his way to New York State, and um, I, I have to say we had a hell of a good time last night. But too good. We're paying for it this morning. We uh, we are not feeling well either of us. That is correct. But wow, we had a good time. This is the problem. Um, and we decided when we were having such a good time that we would try if Bill we were to come. We would not say the T word. We would try to do an entire show and avoid the elephant in the room because it's just boring. It's not that it's bo- it's just anxiety producing, yeah. and I, you just can't. T- so I, Bill, I took a few notes last night in our in our carousing, and. Some of them make no sense to me at all anymore, but, but let's, <laughs> let's, the one thing that happened, and this has nothing to do, of course, with anything, is just, uh, uh, updating you on the family. Yes, updating you on our family, we, um, I had called our mother just, uh, about 15 minutes before Bill showed up at my door, and she, I'd left a message, she hadn't answered, and then right after Bill came, my phone rang, and she was calling back. And um, she had quite a story to tell. Well, I mean, we, we, yeah. Lightning struck her house. Her the tree next to the room she sits in or sleeps in and plays her bridge, bridge games. On, yeah. And the tree split in half and caved and hit, fell over on the Under roof. On the roof. On the, the roof where she is and broke, you know, broke through, cracked, cracked through. It didn't slice the room in well, half. Well, someone took a picture. But and it's pretty, it's unbelievable. This she missed pr- death by 
by not that much. And, um, and then she tells us, she says, well, I was thinking, you know, that that would have been a perfect way to go. <laughs> you don't even know what hit you. Yeah, yeah you don't right. Even know. You're, you're sitting there playing bridge on your computer, and then <laughs> literally the roof yeah, caves the roof, in. Yeah, the on roof you. cave in. Roof. See, now, you, Bill. I say roof. I, I, it I, isn't the way you pronounce The roof caves in. The roof. How do you pronounce well, H? Here's how, how do you pronounce H O O F? You don't hoof. even know. Hoof. How do you pronounce F-O-O-T? Foot. Foot. How do you pronounce R-O-O-F? Roof. Wrong! <laughs> it's just wrong. Here's how I know it's wrong, and here's where I was disabused of right. that. And it's a long time now, but when the... Uh, don't we say roof in Green Bay? Yes, that's where you get it from. It's a Green Bay accent thing. So when did you so, get so snooty that you can't talk like where you grew up? When there was a song out, a uh, fiddler on the roof. roof. Oh. Because if it's if it's roof, it, nothing rhymes. It's a fiddler on the roof. Okay, I put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> there's words that exist this is like a boring academic lecture but there's words that exist in biforms where you, there's two competing pronunciations yeah. and they often are regional they often are marked by class but I, you know you, you, you can be nervous uh, at, at a point about which is the right way to say a brooch is it a brooch, brooch. or is it a brooch it's a brooch although it's spelled brooch right or is that brooch? No, or brooch. <laughs> brooch. So, oh, I was, the other day I used a word on the show, and a dear friend of mine who's a stickler for, a stickler for all kinds of things, uh, emailed me and decried the pronunciation of a word that I have been mispronouncing, I guess, forever. Like pronunciation. You said. I said pronunciation. You said pronu you you kind of split oh, the difference. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Pronounce this. F L A. C C I D. Flaccid. Wrong. 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 Ha ha. That's what I said. Flaccid. That's not the pronunciation. I'm it's not even close. What it is is flaccid. I looked it up. She was right. I'm totally wrong. Flaccid. In some dictionaries, flaccid is not even given as a, a, acceptable. I'm just telling you. So what is the word flaccid then? F-L-A, is it F-L-A-C-I-D? There is no word flaccid. Well, there is now. There, th I, language is what people speak, you know. Well. If I said flaccid, nobody would understand me. Is that true? I'm just telling you, she heard me say flaccid and thought, oh, and said, it's flaccid. And I thought, there's no way it's flaccid. You know, we all have, like, I, I'm a stickler it for, is flaccid. Cer for, for certain la uses of certain words, but I always feel nervous when I'm like that. I can't stand what's happened in the language to make, oh, that, uh, that phrase, um, 
moving forward or going forward when you just use the future tense. I, I mean, know. You know, just I know. Use the it drives me tense. crazy. It, it drives me crazy. I know. And everybody uses it, and it drives me crazy. Right. And uh, and it just and it started about it's part of the that talk of like let's let's put it all behind us talk you know the talk of no moral responsibility stuff like that um, you know forget and forgive or for, just forget 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 I don't know so I'm going nuts here so I, I Bill well anyway the tree the tree Nat screw the tree okay. All right. So anyway, that was uh, so that was pretty cool. I mean, actually. What that a tree? Uh, she'll have. Um, uh, there'll be a lot of rebuilding necessary. Yeah, really. It to- it took. Uh, wow, it was amazing. I feel sorry for the tree. I don't think that tree was in good shape anyway. But split but, it. Yeah, just split it. Um, so I, it, I wonder, you know, that that kind of was was Zeus up there trying to get her or something? I, you know, no. zap her for some reason. Here, Laura writes, "Love your guest today." Ah, hello, Laura Harlow. I also pronounce "roof" as Bill does. We pronounce "crick" the same you as well. Around here, they do too. I think don't, don't people say, say "cr"? Do you say "turtle crick"? No. You do? Some people do. Crick for creek. I have to actually think to not say crick. If, like, there's Battle Creek, Michigan, and I want to say Battle Crick, yeah, and, but of course, nobody would understand. No, because it's Battle Creek. Yeah. But we, okay. Duck Crick, remember? Yeah, we right. in back in Wisconsin, right, we would say Duck Crick and, the, and Roof. And Roof. Well, I'm sorry. They're incorrect. Laura, by the way, is um, my secretary. <laughs> uh, well, the secretary, not just mine, the secretary of eight or nine of us at the University of Michigan Law School. And we all think that we're each one of us think that we're her favorite because of how fast she turns the work around that we think like, oh, we're we're the one whose work she does first. And it's just that she's so damn efficient that we all think we're first. But you really are. No, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. Well, don't put her on the spot. Right, right. Okay. So, um, uh, guys, I really don't. I mean, I have been reading the paper. I do know it's horror upon horror upon horror. Um, but I want to get to something that, Bill, you... Um, wait a minute. What is this? Uh, the T word. I remember, okay, this is Roger, terrifying, tragic, treasonous. I remember as a kid watching Looney Tunes cartoons, and a man took his dog in to see a talent agent, saying that his talk, his dog could talk by asking the dog question. What? What does sandpaper feel like? Rough. Yeah. Rough. What's on top of a roof? Rough. Rough. Say he pronounced it properly. Who's the greatest baseball player? Ruth. 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 After being thrown out, the dog asks his master, maybe I should have said DiMaggio? (laughs) 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 That's, That's cute. That's cute. So I remember, Bill, when you were doing a, um, one of your books, it would have been, Humiliation, I think. 
And you, as usual, were off uh, with your exquisite sensitivity to human interaction. And you were saying that, like, when a plumber, let's say, comes to your house, that you have always been ex excruciatingly aware that the plumber looked on you with disdain. Yeah, of course. Okay, now, wait a minute. So this setup, and I had never thought of that. I thought, what? Well, because you figure, like, he's, he's already thinking that here's some guy who doesn't know, and what you call the plumber for is that any normal human being should have been able to fix themselves, and you've caught, and a plumber comes in and just thinks like, what an idiot! What a, yeah, you know, contemptible lack of manhood, or it just like, and you know, so so I always kind of like talk up that you know, get hyper anxious, and will mention that you know I ride a motorcycle and stuff like you know what? overcompensate. Yeah, so you're talking to, to so the guy. So of course I, I talk to him and I overcompensate by. So you immediately say I ride a motorcycle, yeah, you thinking see that you'll bike, you know, and, and are stuff. Are you kidding? No, you're I that self-conscious. I mean, I, I'll, I, you know, it's not like I do that every time, but I, I found myself doing that at times, and then of course feel even more pathetic and contemptible. So yeah, I mean, I remember thinking when you said that, I thought that's just not true. There's nothing more dangerous than, than another human being, and so you always are worried, or at least at issue when you confront another human being, is whether you walk away a winner from that encounter or a loser from that encounter, and whether you just made a fool of yourself or are looked down with contempt by the person you just dealt with. And thats it's not like that happens every time, but it's we make quick judgments about people we talk to or interactions and say, well, I did just, you know, a quick kind of sense that You know, did so much of what him. you say that I know is true strikes people listening to you say, what the fuck is he talking about? So every interaction I have is like, uh, is a battle of some sort yeah, where of somebody comes. Okay, well, Bill. I mean, they can be all be what? very conventional and friendly, like, hi, how are you? Do you really want to know? No, you say, fine. Okay, that's a pretty, we have little norms that allow us to get through those encounters with very little risk at stake. But what if you had a booger hanging out of your oh. nose staring at it? And then you would be disgraced. I mean, do you remember the kid in second, third grade who peed in their pants in and, and third grade? Yeah, of course you do. That's the only thing you remember about them. Patsy, uh, Patsy Alt. Patsy Alt. Yeah. It's only because she cried. I assume that probably more kids did it, but she's the one I remember, and it's because she didn't react well. I mean, who, How knows? You, who What's called reacting well to peeing? Just pretending you, you didn't, <laughs> hoping you get through with nobody noticing. <laughs> but, but, you know, you, you think of all the kinds of, well, of what ways that we remember people, and it's always not, it, it's rarely the flattering thing about them that we remember that locks them into our consciousness. What do you think of when you think of Bill Clinton? Oh, I don't know. I'm supposed to think of Monica Lewitt. That's the first yeah. thing. I mean, you I just think of kind of uh, like how he basically canceled himself as a as a serious human being. Well, but I don't think he did because he went on to head this foundation that does a lot of really good work around the world and yeah, people. So, no, yeah. I don't know. You're you're nuts. 
I mean, you're so self-conscious. You were on my show once, and it was like around Christmas time, and so we were talking again about how fraught gift giving is. Yeah. Because I mean, you've written five hundred thousand words on gift giving, and how every human interaction what creates. We all know that there's just fundamental norm in normal society, and norm of, of, and that. You gotta repay a gift. You gotta repay your debts. If somebody does you a favor, you gotta do a favor back to them. Sometimes it can just merely being sh merely be satisfied by showing proper gratitude. But you all know that if if I were you know, gift giving is so dangerous that we only allow it to take place on about four or five days a year. I mean, Christmas, birthdays, and then the phony holidays like Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, stuff like that. And you know, if I were Stop to walk, banging the okay, table. if you were to walk up to, uh, let's say, a person like uh, the producer here, if we were to walk up, and, and uh, if I were to walk up tomorrow and give Amy a gift wrap gift, she'd look at me like she'd huh? be uncomfortable, huh? right? Like, what why? the hell's this? Right. And you know that if a guy gives a girl a gift, that usually what they, it, what it's leading for and what kind of repayment is at stake. So it's, it's, um, there's this wonderful Old Norse, I mean, I'm a, uh, my specialty is Iceland, medieval Iceland in the sagas. And there's this one guy who gets a, a gift from somebody, a valuable, valuable gift from a, uh, that is given to him by a fellow poet by the king of Norway. And he, he, the, the guy who gives the gift stays at Egil, who is the person who is the recipient of the gift, for three days, and Egil doesn't show up. And he says, here, leave him this shield. I want to give him this. And it's got jewels on it. And Egil comes home about 12 hours later and says, what's that? He looks at it, and they, say, they said, Einar was here to give this to you. And he says, what does he expect? How can I repay that? Let's ride out and kill him. <laughs> Jesus. And they calmed him down. And then so Egil instead composed a poem in honor of Einar and the gift. But his first reaction was to want to kill him for imposing an obligation on him to have to repay it. And... Uh, yeah, you know, a gift is a burden. Receiving a gift is a burden. And just think like... I once told you, I once told you about a acquaintance of mine who received uh, some kind of jewelry from a, a friend, um, a woman friend, I think. So it was woman to woman for whatever, Christmas or something. And she said, it was this piece of crap and she <laughs> actually said to the woman yeah. after she'd opened it yeah she looked in she said you didn't really mean to give this to me did you so and you were like wow like that is never <coughs> people Man, don't that, do that well that, that because uh, <coughs> the gift was so crappy that she felt it was meant as an insult that's right. And, and, she, and she responded to like, it to take revenge. Of course, you understand that gifts can be negative gifts, too. Like, right, uh, right, right. So, like, if I slap you in the face, you got to slap me back, right? Because I just did you a favor. 
and you what have do you to return mean, a favor. favor. I'm favor. Fa uh, uh, gift. Why well, think gifts have positive value all the time? Gifts are just something that demands repayment. So if I insult you with a gift, then I'll give you. Uh, then I'll repay you by give you, giving you an insulting gift back. I mean, you know, that's it. And but we have to have the, the repayment obligation is absolutely foundational to a gift unless it's parents to kids. It's, I, I'm talking about people roughly at the same you know standing. Standing, but even with parents uh, giving a gift to a kid, you expect that the kid's going to be good. No, you for don't. at least an hour or two. <laughs> if not, our parents let's, would take and put the gift up. I had that happen to me and can remember it many a time. Well, our parents were not good with gift giving. They well, would give and take away. You know, it's a standard thing, and people know it, that people who uh, are always doing other people favors, uh, in effect, make the, other, the recipient inferior to them. And that's what part of it, uh, people perceive as the hostility of, in generosity. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, so, <clears throat> right. Okay, uh, Ray has written. Everybody knows. What All right, I'm no about. people don't. And after that show where you were talking about gift giving being, you know, so fraught, I had more emails from people who were saying, "What the hell is he talking about?" That they have. Yeah, well, no these are people who are constantly offending people with gifts. They're <laughs> They're lucky that they just didn't live in medieval Iceland where They'd they would be have dead. been ki killed. Yeah. Okay, Ray says, Professor Miller in the studio, yay. Please ask him if he has any recorded lectures, and would he please put them online? We autodidacts have found YouTube a great vehicle for exposure to great academics, and not so great. Does he see disgust as a motivating force for the radical right? as embodied in the Camp of the Saints book. Well, I want to say, Bill and I yesterday were talking about how, well, I'm just going to end up reading what Charles Blow said um, today because he summed up what we had been saying. Is this sort of on, that's on topic. Well, I yeah, guess well, it's on it, topic. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Um, about it, I could answer him. I, I am very nervous, as I said at the start, about cameras pointed at me. And if I knew a lecture of mine was being recorded, I would uh, I would self destruct in anxiety uh, about it going public. The problem, the thing is, is when you have students in front of you, you develop a certain rapport as to what you can say, as to who you can tease, as to who you can't. And a lot of things that would play well and be understood live will be misunderstood uh, on the web. So I've, uh, I have never allowed personally kind of like uh, taped lectures to go up on YouTube. One is up there that was put up there by a lecture I gave some years ago. I and, think Ray has seen that one. Yeah, and uh, but not with my permission. But, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so Charles Bro wrote this, and we were talking about See, we, here we're getting into Trump, but I, yeah. peripherally, we'll stay Trump supporters, okay? No amount of moralizing from people like us, the opposition, will affect the fervor of his supporters. Quite the opposite. And that's, that's the thing. Nothing quickens the pulse and induces the delight of conservatives more than the consternation of liberals. 
they would let the whole country collapse for the pleasure of spite. And we were saying the same thing. We were we were saying the same thing. That even if his policies harm them, it doesn't matter. They love that people like us are screaming and ranting and raving and tearing our hair out. They love our unhappiness so much. Oh, they're willing to pay for it. And, uh, they uh, because in fact they uh, they think despise they're getting, us. They're, they're getting a good de- because we're paying more. So they they say, sure, sure, I mean, the trade wars will lose me my job or raise the costs. I won't be able to afford my car or this and that. But who cares? Because it's really going to hurt those smug, you know, educated, you know, tranny, weenie stuff like that. That's right. No, it's true. And I can understand that kind of uh, motivation. I think uh, uh, probably schadenfreude is one of our most important emotions for guiding how we deal with everything. Underappreciated because no one will... It's not... I right told I told to Nino I, I mean Lynn uh, this joke this morning that uh, it, it I think every culture or most cultures have this joke um, it's it's just trying to capture this sense of competitiveness and resentment of other people's uh, having a good life and uh, it's told that it's uh, a Slavic in origin that it explains kind of the poverty of certain kinds of societies. Uh, but anyway, let's say a peasant, uh, uh, a genie comes down and allows the peasant, this peasant, to have to have anything he can think of, anything he can think of, only on this condition that his neighbor have double it. And the peasant doesn't think for more than three seconds, and he says, "Take out one of my eyes." So people are much willing to, uh, let's say, harm themselves if they can harm their neighbor more. more. Um, But actually, you know of all kinds of people, what we really call irrational is the number of people who are willing to harm themselves, let's say, 2x, 200, to, to harm their neighbor just 100. Now, that's irrational. But I think we're... I think that is not acknowledged, what's going on in our country now, and the incredible animus that those deplorables uh, have for us and their willingness to take down the house around all of us to... Uh, you know the thing Express that is uh, their what? Uh, just their so hatred? You, just so your viewers or listeners don't think I'm your standard academic lefty uh, uh, weenie. Um, I'm quite a centrist, and I uh, the academic left is to me. Uh, 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 I yeah, I love like the Trumpistas. I love horrifying them. So, but I still am anxious that uh, that. Basically, this wonderful country is um, basically uh, surrendering and destroying itself out of what? Fear of being invaded by Mexican cleaning ladies. <laughs> I, I mean, come on, man up out there, people. That's what I always say, but whatever. 
Ray wants another question. Does the professor see any connection between the old Irish law of fasting protest and the IRA martyr Bobby Sands? Oh, yes. Uh, oh, oh, yes. Yeah. I, I don't know if people know this. There's a, in the ancient Irish laws, there's a procedure where a poor uh, creditor, where some poor man who actually handed over his cow to a, a, a richer, more powerful person wants his cow back. And uh, the richer man, more powerful man, won't pay back what he owes the poor man. Well, the poor man can go to the door of the rich man and fast against the rich man. And fasting against was a formal legal procedure. If the rich man actually uh, claimed uh, uh, that he did, the debt wasn't owing, he could fast, have a fast off with the other guy. Fasting was a very um, self-destruction, in other words, threatening to die. Mutual self-destruction. Uh, well, mutual in that case. To die um, was to shame, in fact, the creditor, into, uh, the debtor, into paying his debt. So uh, hunger strikes, like so, Bobby Sands. So uh, in Ireland, the, t the tradition just, I mean, yes, map on the Mays Prison Bobby Sands phenomenon to a continued 2,000-year-old tradition. Yep. And the same thing uh, occurs in, uh, the same practice uh, occurs in India called sitting dharna, where you uh, basically fast in front of your uh, powerful person to ask for justice. In fact, the book of Job is, in a sense, that. Uh, Job is sitting on his dung heap, uh, uh, you know, clamoring against God to pay up or to account for himself. Hmm. Speaking of the Bible... <clears throat> since you just went there. Um, one of my scribbles that I don't understand from our, our drunken state last night, it says, Kings, how much of the Bible is historically true? What were we talking about? Oh, no, I was just saying how, you know, just as a matter of, of like a general, very general statement, and I think other people have said this, so I don't want to claim it's original to me, that you go from a period where... Everything was believed in the Bible to be true to a period of uh, starting in the 18th century to the, by the end of the 19th. The Enlightenment? Where, where the uh, post-Enlightenment and then bi modern biblical criticism in, in the German 19th century where you go to from, from everything being true to nothing being true. And then archaeology uh, in the 20th century is, has kind of shown that uh, big hunks of it are recording uh, uh, historical events and stuff like that. So a big hunk of, let's say, Samuel, parts of Samuel, a lot of kings um, are, are important. Actually historically uh, correct. Important historical documents, yeah. And so, uh, I mean, it was only in 1993 that there was ever any external biblical, uh, any external evidence that the that King David existed. But in 1993, they dug up a little shard that had right. the house of da uh, 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 a mention of the house of David. So it took until 1993 to actually have ex evidence external to the Bible that David existed. Um, uh, so you know. Uh, it's just uh, it's not all myth no it's not all myth and even the parts that are i mean it, there's a reason that book took over uh two-thirds of the world it's an extraordinary the it's an amazing piece of work all and all through its genres i mean the various genres 
So uh, wonderful comic tales like the Book of Jonah, powerful tales like the Book of Ruth, and then one of the great sagas ever, uh, the ri uh, David versus Saul and the rise of uh, David. Jesus. So. You know, a lot of people don't. Christians don't read the Old Testament a lot. Well, Do they? Or Catholics no. don't. That's what it is? Yeah, I, I mean, the one Old Testament book that's read uh, by Catholics and, and, and well, if you add up which book in the, in, is most read, it's the book of Psalms but, um, uh, in the Old Testament. But, yeah, Protestants, it depends which Protestant dispensation, are very, very Old Testament savvy. So. Yeah, but it's how they interpret it. They're pretty good. I mean, uh, oh, come it, on. I don't know. I've read a lot of uh, articles that come out of uh, little Bible seminaries that are quite smart about um, just what the text is saying. You know. Okay. So. Um, See, I'm more liberal than you are. No, 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 no. On That's that matter. <clears throat> I mean, on the illiberal matters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I just feel like shit. Okay. You so, know, what, do you know that <clears throat> saying that, that they, the hard drinker saying, they say for a few, I mean, all that, you, I, I'm going to screw this little line up, but it's just something for just feeling lousy for a morning, you, the rest of the day, you just can be, feel wonderful. So it's like in praise of drinking. In praise of drinking yeah. too much. Instead well, of uh, having the whole day be miserable, you, you, you just I mean the morning is going to oh be miserable. Oh, God. Anyway. I'm sorry about that. It, it, you cut that or excise it. Why? Well, wait, I, I basically was incoherent. I couldn't even tell the story. All right. And he'll, yeah, will you freak yourself out the whole way? Well, like, you know, guys, I'm, I'm 72, and it, it, the brain don't work anymore. And uh, I wrote a book about that called Losing It. But I wrote it when I was 64 because the Beatles song kind of played into it. And it's just about how you, it just, you can't rely on what you used to Stop be able to rely on. Stop doing that. Oh, I'm hammering on that. I have to gesticulate. You're annoying people. Ah. I'm telling you. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so we also talked uh, yesterday about um, Bill absolutely loves uh, a guy long dead, but uh, a former uh, prisoner uh, up at the uh, Al uh, county jail, on, right? Yeah. I mean, well, who would have, yeah. I mean, it, he's just a carrick, a nut. Um, his name is Alexander Berkman, and Alexander Berkman was the uh, hapless uh, anarchist who walked into... Henry Clay Frick's office over here on Grant Street and tried to assassinate him. Shot him. Shot him twice and at point blank range and missed. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he basically well, he didn't hit him in the, he didn't kill Frick. Frick. He didn't kill him. Frick was wounded. And, um, you know, what's interesting is so, okay, that was in like 19, uh, was it like 1901 or 19 like uh, was 10 it? or 11? I, I, I don't know if you can look. So Berkman, uh, who traveled from New York City to do this, um, it was a political action. Take out this guy who's torturing all these steel workers. Um, and so a trial was held here and he was 
found guilty of attempted murder and stuck in, in that jail. Um, what's interesting is that if that happened today, he'd still be, I mean, he didn't spend that much time. He spent quite a few years there. Quite a few years? Yeah. Attempted, what would it have been if... I don't know, you know... If you I think they were, were more liberal me, in the laws no, then. No, if you were going right. to quiz me on this, How uh, long he was I, I would have read up on it. I, I haven't okay, okay. looked into this. For, but he, he wrote a memoir about his time in the prison, and it's really a good read. He's he's nuts. I mean, he is nuts. And but he's actually kind of uh, nuts in an interesting way. And you learn about these crazy anarchists about the in the 1890s and 1910s. And he was the boyfriend. He worshipped Emma Goldman, who was a little even a better writer and more interesting to read. Um, but uh, I think it, he he called her my little sailor girl. Oh, what the hell does I, that I, mean? Well, I don't know. He must have. I, I can't believe she just didn't pulverize him. But um, Berkman is I, what I can't believe is he obviously must have spoken English with a very strong either Yiddish or Russian accent. And the guys in jail, the tough Irish Polish guys in jail didn't beat the crap out of him didn't beat the crap out of him at all and uh, he they uh, what's kind of interesting is how he managed to get through prison this little weeny Jewish bespectacled, bespectacled intellectual who can't anarchist shoot at close range uh, right? his, and 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 the thing is, is he was tougher than nails. They put him in solitary in a pit for months and years, and he never, he never, he just handled it. I mean, that's because he's nuts, but he handled it, so people started to respect him <laughs> because he was tough. I mean, he could take, they tortured him, they could, he, he never broke. He ended up being deported, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, and she, too. Uh, they were deported to Russia. Uh, well, Emma was the first one who actually visited Russia and and was hoping that you know after the revolution the paradise, would be the workers' really. paradise. She's the first one who who actually wrote back what a horror show it was. Yeah, everybody else on the left is sitting and making is, is believing the lies or is not even believing what their eyes are well, showing. Well, because them. they don't want to admit you know, that they were well, they don't, gullible they, or hoodwinked. Right, but or, she was honest and yeah. just uh, and was the first one to actually just. Uh, tell about the horrors, not under Stalin, pre-Stalin, under Lenin. Yeah. Uh, your secretary has written, Bill, stop it. You are not losing it. You're, you are age progressing naturally. You still know and remember more than I ever could or will, and I'm not yet 72. I don't like to email the show too often as I am one of those easily humiliated, but I do love listening to Lynn. It has opened up my world. Oh, that, that's that sweet. Isn't that nice? Oh, gosh. No, now, so you I, didn't tell her to listen to me, no, did you? No, no, she didn't know. I didn't know I was going to be on until late last no, night. No, no, no. I'm saying, how did she find, she found me because she worked for you? Yeah, I think, well, she, she can tell you. I don't know. I how. don't know. Yeah. But you didn't say. No, well, maybe I did. I, I don't, don't know. know. So I was in the park walking, playing, letting the dog off the leash, which is against the rules. He was racing around. Some guys there comes up to me and says, uh, uh, aren't you Lynn Cullen's brother? This is in Ann Arbor. <laughs> Comes up to me and says, aren't you Lynn Cullen's brother? I said, what the, how the, huh? 
He said, well, I used to live in Pittsburgh for, you know, for, for years, and I listened to Lynn all the time. And I said, well, how do you know that I'm yeah. her brother? He said, well, you look just like oh, her. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Well, he must have known that I, I mean, he's, a fa- he's in another department in the university, oh, okay. and he must have known that I, in some way, because it was just uh, too, too amazing. But anyway. So there I am, a mere appendage oh, of Lynn shit. Cullen yeah. and my own town. A mere appendage. All right, all right. Here we go. Here's Bergman. There's Bergman. Uh, Milton, I love you. Milton's in Columbus, Ohio, and he gives, he's always Johnny on the spot. Um, it's uh, a good read. His autobiography is a really good read. And, and, um, it's just very interesting. It's a big hunk of American history. Oh, it's 1892. Oh, wow. 1892. Yeah. Uh, Berkman rushed in, drew a 38 caliber revolver, and fired two point quick blank. shots right at Frick point blank. It <laughs> still didn't kill him. The first shot hit Frick in the shoulder, the second in the neck. Well, then he came close. Uh, and then he fired a third time when he was being wrestled to the ground, hitting the ceiling. He then reached for a dagger that was in his pocket and struck at Frick's legs. That dagger is, by the way, in the museum here. Really? Yeah, this has it's on display. Um, and it says here, despite what the press said, Berkman's attempted assassination of Frick was not random or crazed. He believed he was furthering the cause of the striking homestead workers. And Kenyon, oh, said Kenyon's there, okay. Um, these audacious actions against representatives of the political and economic power structure were intended to both raise the revolutionary consciousness of workers and right wrongs perpetrated against working people, which is very much what Berkman was attempting to do when he tried to uh, kill Frick. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what he was trying to do in his... But I mean, you know, you know what you find out though. There's, there's just so many interesting things. I, I could never understand why 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 everybody wouldn't want to be an historian, because there's just so much that's uh, interesting. And how we make little kids bored by it? I I oh, you know, memorizing dates and the day, day of this or that. When there are stories and characters and things that are so you could just. Nothing can match it. Constant uh, horror and entertainment. But uh, Berkman is Berkman's one of the actually uh, is worth reading this book because it's just fascinating and it's about stuff you never would have otherwise right. known about. Says here he served for 14 years over there. So, okay, I had the strange experience of when Frick's last daughter uh, died <coughs> in her 90s. <coughs> She was in the house on, um, you know, on Penn Avenue. And um, she decreed that the house would be kept as a, she loved her father, as a memorial to her father, and everything in it would be preserved. And because I was a reporter at the time at uh, at, uh, WTAE-TV, Somehow, I was allowed into the house before it was ever opened to the public when the uh, archivists were going through every drawer, every all this kind of stuff. And 
It was mind-blowing. Every closet was filled with his clothes still. The bed where he recuperated from Berkman is there. The bathroom next to that bedroom, you opened it up, and prescription drugs to Henry Clay Frick were all in there. Everything was at like it was it Frozen was in time. it was mind boggling. I mean mind boggling. But I thought so right here is where he, they brought him here and that's where he yeah Jesus. I mean, it was, it was. Oh my god the clothes. Oh my god the clothes. It was beyond belief. And I don't know that those things are on display. I've, if you go to the Frick and go on their tour, you don't see the closet. I mean, obviously they're preserved someplace, but I don't, I don't have any idea where. It's fascinating, though. So anyway, Berkman was assuming that the Homestead strikers would embrace his action. They did not. They disavowed it because or we just bring all hell down on them well they also well who knows who knows but milton thank you for that seriously um all right what else it's hard to do a show and not do what i usually do not just rail and rail against yeah the dying of the light um I know one of the sadder things, if you want sadness, is like the the demise of the little the small town or local newspapers. And um, I always like loved reading the sports section to see how the high school, you know, how the high school kids, because you always knew some of the kids and see how you know how many buckets they scored or whether they did this or that. And now you just can't find it, find that out. And it, there's a, a real well, it's lost. online. It's well, online. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. And online, you have to deal with the array of just imbecilic comments. Well, you don't which, have to look. You just have to close it's, those comments. It's frightening. Sections down it's just everywhere. frightening. And so frightening. you just don't get that wonderful little kind of. And the, eh, it's not like newspapers didn't lie and didn't, you know, didn't uh, muckrake and do all that kind of stuff. But you were never like infinity degrees away from getting a more truthful story um you were just you, it was a small town so you you asked one or two people you always knew somebody who knew one of the actors involved and so things kept more within kind of uh, rational uh verifiable limits but I just wonder if democracy is actually tied to um, a certain type of uh technology well, and uh well look I mean it, I mean, I'm just saying this uh, mindlessly, wand- wandering, wandering. But um, um, yeah, it's not like fascism didn't take over and and uh, in a rich print culture in Germany and Italy, so in the 30s. So it, it's not like uh, they I did. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. But you were saying you have a friend who tortures you by sending you stuff he's a what does he 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 knows a lot about the uh history of 1930s germany yeah, well he's just sending me stuff uh, uh comments about you know how uh, how hitler operated and stuff like, and it just maps on i mean the the opening moves towards taking over and it, and it just spookily looks like if you exactly substituted, if you it, that it looks like a spooky 
you know, I, I, I don't ever want to put too much like history repeats itself kind of stuff silly out there, but it just spookily uh, looks like it's describing present events. Well, here's what I I've um, here's what I have figured out. We do not learn from history. We do not learn from history. We rep humans repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. There, don't you think? Well, when, when is there learning from history? Well, there, 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 I mean, there's sometimes where, you, you know, like people who, like in the military, the, the kind of people who, in war colleges, who study battles, well, that's, uh, they actually learn from history. Okay, but that's <laughs> different. I'm saying we, the people, don't uh, seem to have any ability to learn. Because we don't know our history. Well, we don't know we, we it. Don't for, know it. it, it we don't and know then, it. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the requirement for this uh, experiment in democracy working, according to the Founding Fathers, was an informed citizenry. And we do not have that. No, I mean, I mean and just uh, one of my kids sent me a uh, copy of a letter Washington wrote to the British commander about the maltreatment of uh, colonial or American officers that were captured by the Brits. And it was just like Shakespeare had written it. I mean, it was just, uh, and you could just tell it was dictated, right? Just powerful prose and saying elegantly exactly what it had to say, and it issued a threat that if you treat our men like this, we will treat your people like this. And of course, it, stop, it, it had the effect of stopping it. We now have a person up there, oh, I can't do it, who can't even speak a full sentence in English. So. No, that's where we, that's where we are now. But his base loves that. Everyone in his base, I, uh, his base, is much more articulate than he is. They can actually, uh, a big hunk of them are gifted storytellers. And, and In his base? What are you talking well, I mean, about? I mean, people, average American, I mean, the average, uh, you know, especially in the South, there's a great oral culture of people who just know how to lay words on things very nicely. And he's not one of them. You were saying last night that you think he may well be one of them most evil human beings well it's it's more, I mean he's in a position to do no, I mean it, it's it's just that I I find it uh, that rather um, kind of mind-boggling that no that he doesn't even know how to fake graciousness so it's like most people who are even just utterly narcissistic still know how to be polite still know how to be uh, to mimic uh, gratitude grace when that would advance their interests and he doesn't know anything about the diction lexicon or any of the rituals of graciousness not, uh, he, he, he clearly they're, they're not there and I just find that rather bizarre I don't I'm not sure I've ever met anybody like that ever in my life um, most people, the con men types, are very good at faking yes. those kind of. They, they don't feel it, but they can good, fake it. Right. But They're he doesn't. Charmers. He doesn't right. have the means or the knowledge or the ability. There's some hole there that doesn't even allow him to understand the, let's say, the dictionary of gratitude, the dictionary of grace.
in any way. He could even get further ahead um, if he did. But it's, um, well, I don't know because it hasn't harmed him. I mean, while all of on our side, while we look on in horror, did he just say that? Did he just do that? I mean, talking about gracelessness and I mean attacking gold star parents, attacking John McCain as he's dying, attacking, I mean, these things that he does, and you think, well, that would finish him off. I mean, even his base would recoil, and it doesn't harm him. Yeah. So, really, their hatred of well, us in is a bizarre that? way, it's like Stalin said, one, one killing is a murder. I mean, this is, you know, apocryphal, apocryphal, but uh, killing 10 million, that's just a statistic. So I guess one horror from Trump is a horror, but... uh, If you pile on one after another, it doesn't, it's just Trump. And that's why we cannot process, we cannot keep, you would think, yeah, it doesn't, these outrages, daily, hourly outrages... Don't even register. But we anymore. said we weren't going to talk about this because it's just uh, depressing. Okay. And look, I I have voted for Republicans in the past, so I'm one of those like let's say, um, uh, people who wonders where a fiscally if there could possibly be any more a basically go it slow fiscally responsible party, and um, I just. I don't know what those Republicans where they go now. They, they. What do you do? So, I don't know. Hmm. Here are these. But I'm, I'm at the end of my. I, you know, I lived in America when it was great to live in America, and I bequeath to my kids and to their kids yet, who are still like I guess sparkles in the eyes of their parents, um, the mess. This horror. H.L. Mencken, 1920, quote, As democracy is perfected, the office of the president represents more and more closely the inner soul of the people. On some great and glorious day, the plain folks of the land will reach their heart's desire at last, and the White House will be occupied by a downright fool and a complete narcissistic moron. You know, that's when journalism was really great. When you had like... Uh, Milton, you know, thank you. Uh, I mean, you just had what? Is man. that not... There it is. Yeah. 1920. Well, so and, yeah. you don't want to think about uh, uh, Mencken too hard, but... Uh, well, but I know. Ezra Pound said that the purpose of, of the American presidency is to give no one an inferiority complex. <laughs> that, that's Ezra Pound. You don't want to actually... Yeah, you don't want side. to... But, side, uh, I mean, there's a kind of a true... You know, okay. I, I, Here, Laura, your secretary has written. This is the story. I was organizing Bill's papers, and while flipping through a newspaper to see why it was in the pile, I noticed a photo of Bill and your name and show, and being naturally curious, or as my mother would say, nosy, uh, I googled Lynn Cullen and discovered you were his sister and Ah, did a webcast. When I mentioned this to Bill and said, I would probably be, oh, Bill, when she mentioned it to you, Bill said that I would probably be offended by the show as you were a Democrat. I listened to the show and, and weeks... foul mouth. Yes. yes, okay. I listened to the show and weeks later told him you had not offended me yet. 
I think there has only been one time I was offended by the topic, but since I can't remember what it was <laughs> at this moment, it obviously wasn't terribly important. Uh, oh, see, she's just totally one of us now. Yep. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> I'm sorry if I, you know, offended you. I offend people all the time. Well, I mean, the horror fine. of, you know, when we were growing up, you didn't say the curse words uh, except under your breath and maybe among age mates. But even that took some work to finally get there to, to, to say now what we just, everybody just punctuates their conversation with, fuck, and stuff like that. And um, I, I just say, like, she was the first one who actually said to my dad, fuck you. What? Well, see, you can't even repress it. I thought the lightning would strike and bring down the, the house, and, and he didn't hear it. He didn't hear Thank it God. because he might have heard it, but it, what he said is, uh, well, I, there's these, this word that I've never said. He never said that word ever in his life. If uh, there's this word uh, that I think I said, but that's my daughter there, and she would of course never say that word. And, uh, and so it just I, didn't there, process. It, it, didn't, it didn't process it. Yeah, uh, it, it didn't process. Well, it. I w this would have been in the 60s. Yeah, I th oh, I, I was one of those types who actually has these kind of ma beliefs that I thought God or Zeus or whoever is up there would have hurled a lightning bolt and just nailed her. No, he tried to nail mom yesterday. Yeah. So, well, God doesn't, you know, well, she was ultimately responsible. She, <laughs> she produced you. No, I remember dad once coming home and saying something like when he was driving that some guy pulled up next to him and went like this, he said. <laughs> I said, dad, he went like this. Now, my our father actually saw heavy combat in World War II, was in China after, right after the war where little, you know, 10-year-old boys are offering up their 11-year-old sisters. He, he witnessed horrors beyond belief, and none of it penetrated him <laughs> in the least shape. He never, he, he never said a curse word stronger than damn. That's true. And I... And and he was oblivious to any kind of imagine not knowing what this was. He didn't know, and boy did he get them because he was the world's worst, worst driver. driver. Yeah, always hogging two lanes, drying up traffic. People go around him and flip him the bird all the time, and he didn't know what it meant. How do you how do you be that naive? Oblivious. Oblivious. Too. Yeah, he was sweet soul. Yeah. I think he got away with, with being as out of it as he was. Because he was so imposing. Where he was a, a big man, and, and nobody yeah. messed with him because you looked like he, did, he looked like he could take care of business. He was tall and big. And he had a and deep, a deep baritone, beautiful, voice. baritone voice. And he held himself erect and with dignity. And I think people just said, you don't mess with him. <laughs> or because he looked like he could beat the crap out of you. <laughs> and I don't think he was ever in a fight in his entire life, a piss fight, in his entire life, even as a little kid. I don't think he ever was. Aw. Anyway. Bill. Yeah, are we done? Pretty much. Okay.
And yeah, when you said Our Father, and then I immediately who thought, Lord in, in, heaven, who art in, in heaven. heaven, hallowed be his, his name. name. He was a, a wonderful, wonderful, man. wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. We too are blessed with in in uh, our parents. Yeah, we we're talking about that last night too. How lucky we are, right? Yeah. So okay, I guess that's it, Bill. Yeah, it's it's uh, we did an hour. How she does this every day, I'll never know. But well, whatever. Thank you. Susan's on tomorrow. Oh, that's how you do it. That's okay. Well, that's not how I do it. Hmm. Right. But I, yeah, I, whatever. I don't feel well. So, um, yeah. I'm doing better. Bye, Laura. Bye, Laura. Bye, all you guys. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.